The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to Roll Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Danny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Patrick Corain, as we get ready to preview the entire Week 6 slate. We're going to go in-depth in some of this week's biggest games, including the Bills at the Chiefs and uh, the Seahawks hosting the Cardinals. It's kind of a bad week, uh, just to be honest. Uh, we will touch on all the hot-button fantasy players and get to anyone you might want to talk about in a moment, but couldn't help but overhear... While you guys were waiting for me in the Slack to show up because I had to go uh, brew a coffee, came back and you were talking about like 6 a.m. golf lineup locks. And I was wondering if you guys are okay. <laughs> well, we, we it's not. okay because it was, I was saying like golf is the one sport uh, I can't really care about because they get up and play so incredibly early. And yeah. like, you know, we, I, I'm working like nonstop. I, I don't, I work a little bit on Saturdays and a ton every other day. Uh, I cannot be around for this kind of nonsense. I can be around for a random like Bundesliga noon slate or whatever. Bundesliga, uh, Kyle, come on, man. I don't care. I don't care. They're all just you know names, CSV spreadsheet, that? commas, names. But oh, you like, don't know these... about Bundy's league? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Al Bundy league? Um, are you guys serious? What is? What are you talking about? The uh, Germans' uh, top division soccer league. Wow. The German wow. equivalent. To the Premier League. Okay, <laughs> sure. I, and I you're gonna have to explain that in foot, in American football terms, though, because I also know for sure Denny doesn't know what the Premier. Well, League. Denny, their best team's called Bayern München. Uh, that's how you pronounce it. Um, All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, go, I mean, golf. They, they they tee off early. I don't know what to tell you, Kyle. You know, and and some of us uh, we we get woken up by our kids at a god a, a god awful hour in the morning, and and we say, you know what? I'm gonna check my lineups before before, before I check on that kid. Before <laughs> yeah, I'm check on Tony Finau before it, I check on it goes kids. it goes li- uh, lineup locks and then waffles but it never goes the other way and then the kid because the waffles are actually for you yes, we sir. talked about baseball last week now we're talking about golf what what are we talking about next week pickleball what's yeah. happening we're talking about the on? the live tour the the live love breathe tour or whatever the new golf thing is called I can hardly do any of those three things so I don't sound qualified. You guys have a golf lineup likes, by the way. Do you have you, you know, the NBA is coming back, and we've got oh. some great NBA folks here at Road World, NBC Sports Edge, but I don't know how anyone plays NBA DFS. Mm-mm. Where, like, I'll, every night it'll be like 7.03 Eastern, and I'll see a tweet of like a really respected person in the industry, like someone I love, 
It was like this, like literally, it's like a video of him like actually crying real tears, <laughs> and it's not like a bit. And he's like, they, they ruled him out after lineup lock. Like, I don't get it. I don't get again. I don't get it. <laughs> it just seems. Like I will say we take it for granted how good, uh, how good the injury reporting is in the NFL for for all of its awful, uh, like awful midweek bad reporting stuff. By Sunday at uh, 11.30 for the East Coast folks, we know almost everything we need to know, which is a beauty. And there are, yeah. I, I got an injury game coming up, one that we have on the show sheet that it's like, check me out Sunday at 11.30, you'll find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, the NFL is very good on that. The NBA is not. Producer Adam reminds me, by the way, uh, use promo code HOOPS5 at checkout if you want to get our Roto-World NBA draft guide for only $5. NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide, I believe, only $5. A really, 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 really good guide. Enough about the NBA, enough about golf, quote unquote. Uh, we're here to talk about a real sport. Um, and this week's game of the century, the Buffalo Bills head to Kansas City as two and a half point favorites. Denny, both teams are four and one, but it's been the Bills who are blowing teams out of the building. The Chiefs have actually scored more points, but it's no thanks to their receiver core, which is still struggling to sort itself out post Tyreek Hill. Just what are some of the recent trends in this group? Like, is more sky more for real? What can we possibly tell the folks with the Chiefs receivers? I'm going to uh, recycle my joke about Sky Moore being a Zoomer psyop because uh, I, that's that's the only thing that I can think of when I see this guy wearing number 24 subbing in on like six snaps. Yeah, this game. guy's friends with Kyle. It's a yeah, it's a major red flag. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I try to tell him 24 is not a good number for a receiver. People are like, <laughs> right. "Oh, that's so cool." I'm like, "No, that is garbage. I can't believe this." What is yeah? What is a cornerback doing on the offensive side? Of the ball? <laughs> it right. is actually the worst uniform number assignment I have it ever is. seen in the his- August yeah. history of the National Football League. It is unbelievably bad, but yeah, getting back to this game. So Sky, Sky Moore, even with some increased usage over the past two weeks, he's only run a route on 27% of the team's dropbacks over those two games. Um, he was used sparingly in the second half last week against the Raiders, which, you know, for those of us who used him in showdown was, was nice to see a little bit, but uh, didn't, didn't come, didn't come up with much um, as, as for the rest of the receiver group here with Kansas city. So uh, I want to look at the past two weeks. Cause I think we're, we're seeing a, a little bit of a shift toward uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, although Juju Smith Schuster leads uh, lots of last names. I realized now. Oh, no, sorry, I, was, I almost just got in a really mean. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, then, now you, I just you, did. You got it in anyway. So, <laughs> now uh, I just did. There you go. So Juju's leading uh, all Kansas City wide receivers with 14 targets over the past two weeks, but his receiving profile is pretty ugly. Uh, average depth of target of 6.4 over that over those two games. MVS, meanwhile, has 13 targets over those two games. Uh, a dot of 12 of almost 12. I, I think he's really separated himself in yards per route run over that over those two games, and has a 27. percent uh, um, I'm sorry, has 27 percent of the team's air yards over those two games. So I, I I have to say, if you're if you're struggling like between if you have both Juju and MBS, it's not a question for me. I I think you're playing MBS for sure going forward. Just upside, it's just a concept that does not exist with Juju Smith <laughs> Schuster. And uh, this is like the fifth straight podcast where I will apologize for telling people he's going to be like maybe a low end wide receiver too. It's one. It actually is the summer call I'm most embarrassed about. Like not kidding. It's only like, been four years since he's been good. I know. <laughs> I know we're, all, we're all trying to find the guy who did this uh, for sure. 
Well, did you just miss you? You didn't do this. His ADP was his yeah, best yeah. ball bro ADP was skyrocketing. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, it was not. Yeah, well, just as me. two best ball bros on the show, uh, both of us are trying to find out who did this. <laughs> no, I did not do this. I have very, very little juju. I was talked into him by some friends of mine who I would like apologies from. You know what's funny? I did the same thing. People were like, he plays with Patrick Mahomes. I was like, yeah, you're right. That's all it needs to happen. I saw Sammy Watkins get there with Patrick Mahomes. Why can't juju? Uh, yeah, who who could not get home as the highest targeted wide receiver from Patrick Mahomes? Uh, the answer is Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Uh, he can't at all. How much terrible. longer is he the highest targeted guy? It's yeah. Hey, Crane, do you have something? You have something actual to add? Uh, well, <laughs> I just want to say, you know, sometimes the stats will will lie to you, and I think in in Juju's case, he's cooking the stats here with the with the separation because. What he does is he kind of stays right near his defender and then he leaps forward as the ball's coming, <laughs> falls to the ground, and then he gets the separation at the point of the catch. But we watch the film, Juju. We know what you're doing. And he's on to you. Crane, Crane, noted film watcher. Thatcher Crane is on to you, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, so yeah. Crane and Denny tried to bring order to this Chiefs receiver core, Kyle. Uh, the backfield, I wouldn't say is it's not as confusing, but is it as simple as Clyde Edwards-Elair still clearly in the lead? Behind him, it's Isaiah Pacheco when it's blowout or play from ahead mode, and then maybe Jarek McKinnon when it's come from behind mode or a close game. Is is that fair or is that an oversimplification? Yeah, that, I, I'd, I'd call that fair. I mean, we've seen – I want to be clear. Pacheco's role is not, uh, ah, we're up a few points. Let's go Let's go out and grind out Pacheco. His, aver- like his carries on average are when the team is up 12 points. 45% of his carries have come in the fourth quarter. He is – He's not just the guy who salts games away. He's the guy who goes in. Uh, who's their backup? Like Chad Henney? Like he, he, him and Chad Henney must be ba- best friends or something. Because he's saving, bu- he's the saving bullets back, basically. Yes, he he is the let's get let's give everyone else a break type of back. Uh, he looks decent on the field, but it doesn't matter. They're not using him as if he's a meaningful part of the offense. And I will say, Ch and McKinnon have literally run the exact same amount of routes this year. Ch is better in yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception. But we've seen most of CH's work, or at least relative to McKinnon, he is getting receptions on early downs, whereas McKinnon does come in when they start to try and play fast, try and play catch up on third down. So you've pretty much nailed it. But, you know, I wanted to emphasize the fact that Pacheco's is nowhere close to the fantasy radar unless you project that they're going to win by 21 plus early. Like last week, like the Bills played last week. If you project them to boat race the Steelers, sure, play James Cook or whatever. That's the only way you're getting Pacheco into your lineups. I would note that, to the to the point about the routes, CEH has only played 13% of third down snaps. Uh, McKinnon has played Are you serious? 79%. Wow. So if this game gets like nutty, but in a way where the Chiefs are having to come back, then I think you're you're looking at a very touchdown dependent script for CEH. Uh, his workload has not been that good this year. Uh, he trailed in routes last week when you know that was a, a game where they had to come back from 17. So I think yeah, you the want the Chiefs that, playing from ahead. The week before that, uh, that was the the Bucks like easy win over the Bucks, and he ran more routes than McKinnon. But that's because they weren't having to play catch up. It's like the exact, exactly. uh, it's the exact flipping of the script, and it does look like they should be on. You know, they are literally underdogs this week. It, so. it sure feel, feels like when when the when they need to score, and when the Chiefs are are chasing points in the second oh, half, it's, it's McKinnon's season. McKinnon looks good out there, man. He does. I don't know why he can't get more run. Probably it's kind of like maybe an Isaiah McKenzie situation where they know he's a player that if you give him more run, he will get injured. Yeah, I mean, what is he like 30 years old with a history of knee injuries yes. Yes. and he's like five, guy. eight or nine or something like yeah. that? I, I think the usage for him in a like very like boots on the ground sense makes sense. 
So on the other side of the ball, Crane, uh, we saw what Gabe Davis can do when he's healthy last week. But we saw it in only three catches. Is this setting up? It's like one of those classic like boom or bust situations, maybe like a deluxe, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling type of deal. Or can we begin to count on bigger target counts, bigger workloads coming Gabe Davis's way? Because uh, we, the upside has been vividly demonstrated yet again. Yeah, so uh, remember how we used to do stat of the week? We, I do. Uh, Let's bring it back. Did we not like? Did we not line up a sponsor? Well, I got a very year? long email from Pat uh, <laughs> detailing why we were no longer. It, anything that, that takes the attention off me is just frankly not a go. Uh, so. <laughs> now we should bring so, that back. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back here. All right. In 18 games last season, Emmanuel Sanders had 271 yards on targets 20 plus yards downfield. Okay, that's 15 deep yards a game for Emmanuel Sanders. In four games this year, Gabriel Davis already has 207 yards mm-hmm. on deep passes. That's 52 deep yards a game for Davis compared to 15 for Sanders last year. Yes, he's going to be boom bust. He has a 17.1 ADOT, but this is boom bust in, the, in a good way. <laughs> this is this is like you think about the boom here. This is a week as well to be thinking about the boom. With the Bills, we're getting to the point where we just want them to play the starters for the entire game, and we're going to get that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Gabe, too. It's the kind of it's like a, a matchup flipping boom with Gabe. Like he, like if, if he has an on week, you're probably winning your matchup. Like if you have Gabe Davis in your lineup, it's kind of what it. And if he has an to. off week, like you know who else has off weeks? Almost any other receiver, right? Like yeah. you're like, oh well, Hunter Renfro is good for four PPR points. Like that's no different than when Gabe goes one for sixteen, right? They're functionally <laughs> the same thing, but so few players. Like Alan Lazard, oh he didn't catch a touchdown this week, so he went three for twelve got me 4.2 PPR points. Sure, Gabe's, Gabe's floor, and he'll probably reach his floor more often than those guys, but it's the same floor, and those guys just don't have the same ceiling. I, I do appreciate everybody uh, on Twitter who told me that they could not start Gabe Davis. They benched him last week because I had to start Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, who, who could I play? How can I play him? Over? Well, okay, I didn't know you were in a four-team league. I'm sorry. Because I, 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 I was outraged. How could you bench Gabe Davis? Well, they I didn't guess in that scenario, draft in that four-team league. Yeah, you have a four-teamer. It's a good draft. It's pretty good. Except for me, Chase, Jamar Chase might be droppable in four-teamers soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gabe, glad he demonstrated his health. And I'm going to move on from this game, but just a few Bills pass catcher. Isaiah McKenzie. Seems like he's coming back this week. Dawson Knox seems kind of 50-50. Could be, as Kyle alluded to earlier, one of those games where you're going to need to check the pregame injury reports, but it is 90 minutes. It's uh, inactives. Will be af- it's an afternoon game. Um, so hopefully we get a good report on Dawson Knox for Chiefs. Because he'll be tight end is so bad. This total is so high. Dawson Knox will be tight end one relevant uh, if he is out there. But moving on, the undefeated Eagles and the undefeated Cooper Rushes Square off in Philly, Kyle, with the Birds operating as six-point home favorites. What do the folks need to know about a really important divisional tilt, but one that could be low-scoring? Yeah, so we'll get the boring team out of the way. Dallas, uh, don't play any of them except for C.D. Lamb. Massive target share. Uh, I, I think Michael Gabb's fringe playable. They only threw, I think, 16 times last week because they immediately got out with like a, I believe it was a fumble six on Matt Stafford. Defense looked great. So they ran Zeke 22 times. Unsurprisingly, on eight carries, Tony Pollard still outrushed him. So to me, Zeke, there's almost no level of volume that like, I guess you can play him as an RB2, but I, I think His I have volume's so going up though, Kyle. It's carry like, counts he needs are to get actually 50 going carries up to get, He needs to get 50 carries to get 100 yards, and he might not he even get He has less fantasy points than Dontrell Hilliard. Wow. Look, like I, I think I ranked him as like an RB3, and that like 
Like, for what you drafted him for, there are so many guys you probably picked up off of waivers. You drafted some flyer in the 12th round that is outproducing him. So, yeah, I don't think you should be starting him. I don't think Tony Pollard as much as, you know, it's the classic bit. I don't think Tony Pollard is seeing enough work. And then he goes eight for 88 with a touchdown, right? I still don't, I don't think that's a long-term winning strategy. I think you're just starting CeeDee Lamb in this low scoring. I mean, Vegas says it's a low scoring affair. To me, Michael Gallup had a decent target share last week. They only threw 16 times, so his five targets was pretty good. It's still a bit iffy. CeeDee Lamb, still a stud. The other side is much more fun. The other side, like Jalen Hurts has been so unreal as a rusher. If you just took his running stats, he'd be the RB15. We saw last year Jonathan Taylor set the record over the past two decades for red zone carries at 87. Jalen Hurts is on pace for 82. He's also on pace to tie LeGarrette Blunt with carries from the one yard line over the past 20 years. Like he is wow. the he is like the premier goal line running back. He's a quarterback and he's also improved a lot as a passer. So like if Josh Allen didn't exist, he'd be the he'd be the QB one. I don't know if it'd even be that close. For the receivers, you're still starting both Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. Interestingly, over the past three weeks, AJ Brown actually has kind of fallen behind Devonta Smith in terms of target share, 27 to 24. Air yards have gone the same way as well. But I don't think we want to just say, well, let's look at the past three weeks and throw out the fact that A.J. Brown was a stud in the first two weeks. And he's still been fine the past three weeks. It's just been the target shares tilted a little bit towards Smith. I'm still team A.J. Brown, but really the answer is be team both. I said this on a podcast earlier this week, but Devontae Smith has actually outgained A.J. Brown 353 to 281 since week one. And the only game has been under seven catches and 80 yards in the past month was that rain game. With the Jaguars. So it is really interesting, Devontae Smith. Last week, it seemed like kind of a product of the Eagles trying to counteract what they thought was like maybe a, a dangerous Cardinals pass rush with a lot of like quick passing to Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And of course, the Cowboys uh, have something of a pass rush, I've been told. But can I say real yeah. quick on this game? I think the Eagles are going to stop the Cowboys because the only thing the Cowboys have going for them, the only thing is that pass rush. And it's a good pass rush. Don't get me wrong. You've got to hand it to them. But but it's going to be neutralized this week by what pro, pro football focus grades as the top pass blocking offensive line in the Eagles and by Jalen Hurts' mobility. So you take that away and suddenly you have Cooper Rush having to drop back against a pretty solid secondary in Philadelphia it's not going to go well. I will say this about the Cowboy side of it. I think this generates some volume for the pass catchers, including CeeDee Lamb. So you have that going for you. If you like offensive so line was stuff. was hurt last, last week, right? Or, and then Who? are we – one of their offensive line of the guard was was hurt last week, I believe. Uh, well, Jordan Mailata didn't play last week. Jordan Mailata didn't play. Pat, come on, don't, don't act basketball. like we know the offensive linemen's. No, names. I actually do know. I do know their their offensive line because they're good. I've seen Kyle break down offensive line with yeah. uh, with vigor. Yeah. I think Kyle knows like every starting lineman in the NFL. Actually, I just know their their PFF grade and the, what position they play and like how many snaps they played. I've never watched them play. I've never focused on them at least. Please don't. Yeah, Mailata got in a limited practice to start the week. He didn't play last week. He hardly played. He's coming back. He's coming back. It sounds like Kyle this yep. week. So that is helpful i mean it's still not going to yeah not still completely going to neutralize this awesome pass pass rush but it looks good for it i'll just say quick parting thought we were talking about like Devontae smith playing better than aj brown for a month i think you still easily obviously keep aj brown higher in the rankings because his floor has been pretty nice itself and he has a ceiling that this very few other receivers still have and if you're wondering why we keep ranking aj brown higher i mean that would be it right 
By the way, I think Landon Dickerson got hurt. I looked at my numbers wrong. Yeah, no, he actually did get that. He did get hurt. I think Opeto was the replacement. Uh, but I think Dickerson came back in that game at some point. The Eagles have had a lot of minor offensive line injuries. I, I heard Davis Maddock note that once he got hurt, once the lineman got hurt, then they started doing a lot more of the quick passing stuff. So I do yeah, think yeah. the idea of if they're protecting themselves well against this pass rush, which I think they could, then it's an A.J. Brown game. And if they're having trouble with that, then maybe it's a Devontae Smith game. And perhaps the most humiliating moment of Bill Belichick's career, Crane, the two and three Patriots arrive in Cleveland as two and a half point underdogs against the two and three Browns. Uh, a shocking line for the greatest coach in NFL history. What do the listeners need to know about this game, Pat? Yeah, so the Patriots run defense is where I want to start here because they rank 27th in EPA allowed per rush. They rank 30th in rushing success rate. They rank 20th in run defense grade. Pretty bad. Pretty bad run defense. Uh, Meanwhile, we've got a Browns run game that is insanely efficient right now. Here are the passing offenses that have a higher EPA per play than the Browns running game. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, somehow the Seahawks, (laughs) and the Dolphins. You know who's not on that list? The Chargers, the Ravens, the Bucks. The Browns have been – this is a run game. A Justin Herbert pass game is less efficient than this running game. It's crazy. They, they're they going to crush this matchup. This sets – I mean, it's not going to be a great overall fantasy environment, but the Browns are going to be able to do what they want. I think they're going to be actually efficient. It's not like a, a Falcon situation where they're just running the ball to end the game as soon as possible. To they're actually the able to score the points. So, uh, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I think you're playing them both. If you look at uh, the Patriots side of this, they're going to be able to do what they want here too. Uh, because the Browns are going to be running against them, so it shouldn't get too out of control. The Browns' defense also is terrible against the run. 32nd in EPA allowed per play or per rush. 29th in rushing success rate. 32nd in run grade. We've got Ramondre Stevenson here. It's not He's not having a Nick Chubb-level season, but he's running back 13 in rush yards over expected per attempt, running back 19 in success rate, 16 in breakaway percentage, 8th in elusive rating. So he's doing everything well. He's consistent. He breaks tackles. He hits big plays. Um He's probably going to need touchdowns to hit his ceiling. He hasn't been as involved as a receiver as I thought he would be, only running back 45 in yards per outrun. But dude's 230 pounds. He'll get spelled a little bit probably by Pierre Strong, but he's going to have the goal line role, you have to assume. So the running backs are really where the action is here. But you also have a receiver on each side who's dominating targets. You've got Amari Cooper. He's been targeted on 25% of his routes. He's running around on 93% of dropbacks. That's a very good profile. He only has 6.6 yards per target. That's really bad, but it's unsustainably bad for where he's getting targeted. He's got an 11.2 ADOT. That's a nice kind of number one wide receiver level ADOT. Decent bet on positive regression, and just you're kind of betting on the volume here. Uh, Targets consolidating to him. And then on the other side, Jacoby Myers running around on 95% of dropbacks. If you look at non-screen routes this year, he has a 35% target rate. That's the highest in the NFL. So they're not forcing the ball to him, but like he's getting open. He's getting mm-hmm. open downfield, and uh, yeah, Zappy loves throwing to him. So again, very similar. It's going to be like, this is, yeah, this is going to be like a fun game environment for the passing game. But we do at least have two target dominators we can go to. 
If the Browns' uh, success, EPA-based success, continues, the analytics movement will be banned in the United States. Well, there's actually I'm, already I'm a little built. into it, Denny. I, I like efficient offense. If they found a way to do it, running the ball, like good for you, man. Well, uh, <laughs> Rich Rebar was saying that they're they're spreading out the offense more to uh, create you know more friendly situations for for Nick Chubb, and it seems to have paid off. Nice. Few really quick thoughts. As Crane kind of alluded, Jacoby Myers bookended his two-game absence with 16 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown and two appearances. And the only other thing on the Patriots is like a, a big times another one of these games, Kyle was talking about like you've got to monitor the injury report because the Pats are claiming Damian Harris is practicing. We Dude, they expect- did this, they did this garbage. <laughs> yeah. Mac Jones for the past two or three weeks. I'm just saying, we got to monitor it. And Mac Jones could actually play. Pat, Mac you're Jones. Just trying to, you're just trying to direct oh. people to the site. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mac Jones. Pat, uh, over time, you'll learn that Bill Belichick isn't always uh, straight up. <laughs> just saying, you got to check. You got to double check. That's all I'm saying, folks. Got to double check that Patriots injury report. <laughs> The Minnesota Vikings arrive in Miami, Florida as only three-point favorites, even though the Dolphins will be on their number three quarterback, Kyle. We will start with the big question. Can fantasy managers still treat Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, each of whom remain on the injury report, by the way, as a top 10 receiver and a top 20 receiver, respectively, uh, with seventh-round rookie Skylar Thompson under center? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the thing that we have loved so much about this offense is they've had a high pass rate and they're scheming their two best players the ball nonstop. And no one else is getting the ball as far as pass catchers are concerned. And that will continue whether or not it's Teddy, Skylar Thompson, and it'll be even better when Tua comes back. But it means they're at least very insulated from the idea that, oh, well, Skylar Thompson's going to go out and he's going to target the tight end a bunch. No, he's not. They're going to throw Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, and that's it. Interestingly, there has been a development of Jalen Waddle in the past three games, having just a 16% target share. Tyree Kill has like dominated him with a 29% target share. In the first two weeks, Waddle was at 30%. There was like a clear one-two thing going on, or one A, one B type of thing going on. And now we've developed a full Tyree Kill wide receiver one, Waddle wide receiver two. Maybe but it's I just the health. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't want to overemphasize a three-game sample versus what before that was just a two-game sample of them both being essentially one, number one receivers. And the year before that, we saw Jalen Waddle was able to dominate targets as a rookie. So it's interesting development, but I don't know if it's something we can count on. You're certainly not benching Waddle, but even from like a DFS perspective, when you've got Waddle coming off of a few bad games, but we have a pretty strong sample size of him being like an elite playmaker, ability to draw a ton of targets. And on the year, he's still third in yards per outrun. He's doing well in yards after the catch per reception. I kind of want to fade the last three weeks Obviously, you're starting him, but even in like, uh, you know, trickier spots for the guy who is in the four team league, drafted all the good receivers, he still <laughs> might crack the flex. <laughs> so, Denny, it's a pretty good layout of the Dolphins receivers there. Denny, the backfield is getting less confusing in Miami, too. Uh, do you have any pushback on the idea that Raheem Mostert has seized control of this backfield where it seems like the only thing that can stop him maybe is his health? And right. he was on the injury report with a knee this week. So, your eyes. You know, do a double take anytime you see Mostert on the injury report. Definitely when it's with his knee, uh, but he's practicing again. He says he's playing. Uh, is this is this Mostert season? Yeah, I mean, you know, keep it tuned in to NBCSportsEdge.com for the latest on Raheem Mostert's knee. Because I mean, it is it is a serious thing, especially when you're talking about a a player with a, a long history of knee issues. Uh, so no, there's no there's no pushback. In fact, I'll, I will just reinforce what you said about the Mostert takeover. 
of the Miami backfield. Uh, he has 33 carries over the past two weeks. Edmonds over that span has six carries. Miles Gaskin has four carries on, on, on four snaps, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, goat. So, yeah, it's uh, it's looking pretty bad for Edmonds. I, I, you know, definitely you're not rostering Edmonds in ten team leagues. You probably don't. Probably well as a as, oh, as a contingency back only. You're you're rostering him in twelve team uh, leagues. Um, most of the Edmonds are are pretty even actually uh, over the course of the season in expected fantasy points. But over those past two weeks, Mostert has almost thirty expected points, and Edmonds only has twelve. So we have seen the takeover. <laughs> And I think that you can you can start uh, Mostert as you know a safe ish RB two, but I don't think much upside here. I've had some people push back on the idea that Chase Edmonds is droppable because you know just how injury prone Raheem right. Mostert is, and right. then lo and behold, he shows him the injury report. But I frankly think he still is droppable because I mean now we have clear evidence that he's not he might even be leading a post mostert committee well i think like, he, would, he would be leading but he'd, he'd be, he i don't know man I, I don't know he's been horrible 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 he has been you know all all the peripheral stuff is awful a nightmare for chase edmonds yeah pff had to delete his player profile because he was like <laughs> yeah. and everything i was wondering like, what happened there yeah was next gen sad. stats actually shuts down if you if you search chase edmonds <laughs> yeah it's it's no good they keep upping the amount of carries needed to reach the minimum to one more than the number <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey. hey, it's tough but fair you know we can't we this is a fam kids read that website um, so yeah. they can't be seeing these Chase Edmonds numbers. Crane, with the Minnesota Vikings, we want to start Dalvin Cook. We want to start Justin Jefferson. Are there any Vi- – there's some interesting Vikings. I mean, of course, you're starting Adam Thielen as a wide receiver three. But beyond – okay. Oh, that's beyond, the, uh, <laughs> beyond those two and a half Vikings, are there any Vikings <laughs> we want to be starting at? All right, this is tough because I've been a big old Irv Smith bear, but uh, – I think you're starting Irv Smith. He, his route rate was up to 68% last week. He has a 5.8 yards per target. That's really bad, unsustainably bad. I think you can kind of count on some positive regression when Hopefully. looking at a yards per target that bad. Yeah, I think he's in the low end tight end one conversation with about you know 14 other dudes because I think the Vikings are pass first. This has been kind of a weird situation where like I think some things have conspired to make it seem like maybe the Vikings aren't pass first. I still think they are. And I also think that Dolphins have are potentially a pass funnel. And so we kind of like that, that's how the season was looking when it started out. I think maybe a couple of games have kind of gotten us off the scent on both counts. And now we have a chance to see, okay, maybe the Vikings really are pass first against a team that does look quite vulnerable through the air um, is actually pretty good in terms of run defense overall this season. So uh, that's kind of what I want to bet on. And yeah, I think, you know, if you want to fire up Thielen, uh, I guess you, you had it's to have drafted Thielen, so uh, I don't know if that would be like, but you know, but fire him up, fire him up, and and throw Irv Smith in there. Yeah, it's still American democracy, still in good enough shape that you can start Adam Thielen if you want to. For now, well, yeah. check back with us next next week. Yeah, we'll oh, come on, man, don't get political, Denny. Come on, man. Come on. Sorry, I mean, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, all right, we'll be. Right. That's a good. We'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Cowboys and Eagles and our Sunday Night 7 contest. I neglected to mention that was Sunday Night Football, by the way, when we talked about Eagles-Cowboys. Denny, I know what you'll be waiting for all day on Sunday, correct? I only wait for one thing, and that's the nighttime. And you know what comes on in the nighttime? Sunday Night Football. (laughs) So there there you go. Denny will be waiting all day for Sunday night for what is a very good game. Denny, you'll also be telling us about the Broncos and Chargers where – both teams are in desperate need of a division victory. The Broncos and their fans, 80,000 of them, arrive in Los Angeles as five-point underdogs against the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, you and I talk about Galaxy Brains, the, no chance of hitting the over in this game. Um, <laughs> but, no, yeah, tell the people what they need to know about Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if the environment is as ugly as it may first seem. I mean, anything involving And, and what we said on Galaxy Brains, I mean, we did theorize about maybe a Yeti coming on the field. I we don't did. Know we did. Uh, that that um, somehow came up on Galaxy Brains. Yeah, but uh, uh, via Patrick Corain's uh, stats here, the, these teams are the two most extreme pass funnel defenses uh, so far on the season. So we could get some just like forced passing in this game, which would be nice, especially if you have Mike Williams because, and and obviously Keenan Allen, uh, I'm not sure if he's practicing this week, but his, he's got had some limited practices. They're still yeah. being very cagey on his status. Right. So it, his, his presence in the offense, uh, you know, either makes Mike Williams a great like wide receiver too, or like a shaky flex, I think. But so far, you know, over the past three weeks without Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is fourth in the league in air yards. Uh, he's taken 43% of the Chargers air yards. It's an enormous share uh, along with a 27% uh, target share. So he's kind of, kind of the only game in town right now for Justin Herbert. And uh, I think he, he would make a really good play against the pass funnel uh, Broncos defense as uh, on, on the other side, we saw Mike Boone very much involved. You know, it, like I know there was a quote from the Broncos uh, early last week where it was like, you know, we're going to Melvin Gordon's going to be the guy. Okay. Whether you like it or not, this is what we're going to do. And it really wasn't that way uh, on, on that horrific nightmarish Thursday night against the Colts. Mike Boone played 41% of snaps. Uh, he ran around on 43% of the team's dropbacks against Indianapolis now, Latavius Murray, who was inactive last week, could come in and really mess things up for Boone and everybody else in this backfield. But I think uh, the reason I mentioned Boone is because not not because you're you're confidently playing Mike Boone in twelve team leagues. You're not okay. Speak like for he, yourself, would be. Um, I, I I don't think that that would be the great greatest process in the world. What I'm saying is you're not. You shouldn't be super confident in Melvin Gordon. 
I think mm. Melvin Gordon's usage was really, really quite bad, way worse than I thought it could have been after the Javante injury. So just just be be mindful of that. Uh, can I know on the Chargers side, I, I mentioned this six-round left tackle who's filling in for uh, Slater who went down. Uh, he was you mean the highest Jamari Saylor, Georgia tackle? Jamar. <laughs> there you go, Kyle. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually say his last name. It's actually like the, the L and the Y are flipped. So it's again, their uh, names on a spreadsheet, unfortunately. <laughs> I do enjoy offensive line expert Kyle Dvorak. <laughs> uh, so this, yeah, the six round rookie, Sailor, he, he played like a six round rookie last week. He dropped from the top graded offensive lineman to 119th last week. He allowed six pressures, which was twice as many as the rest of the Chargers line combined. There can't be so, that money more than 119 tackles. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not great. Um, so I don't know. I'm pretty – I'm nervous. But I feel like that really kind of propped them up a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And if he is a liability, then they, they could really use Keenan Allen. And for the Mike Williams stuff, like, you want Keenan Allen out because if Mike Williams is like the field stretcher guy he sometimes is with Keenan Allen, I don't know that that role is going to see that many targets with so, it, it, again, if this, I mean, the rookie played really well in his first game, so maybe he gets back to it. But it's a well, concern. is Mike Williams going to be locked up with Patrick Sertan Jr. too? Is that like yeah, a concern? Yeah, I at thought all? about that. So Sertan is scary. I mean, he he's like he's like a frightening matchup. So what? Yeah. We've got me, offensive line expert. Now we've got cornerback matchup guys. We've gone full football, bro. <laughs> we live long enough to see yourself become the villain type of deal here. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm a little. Sertan's break on the ball is just special. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of locked up Michael Pittman. Let me last let me week. tell you about his father, real quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Played for my Dolphins. His dad played in the NFL. By the way, speaking of uh, our longtime former colleague Al Michaels, has threatened to retire if Commanders Bears was as bad as Colts. <laughs> Denny brought this to my attention. Yeah. And so you're probably listening to this after Commanders Bears. We really hope Al Michaels is still with us as a working NFL announcer. A, a, a legendary right. career brought to an end by bad <laughs> Thursday night. Wow. That's something you hate to see. I mean, Al Michaels having to call it Justin Fields and Carson Wentz. Come on. This is yeah. supposed to be like a just country. Like, not, uh, <laughs> What's going on with it? Is this like part of the – is this some sort of like anti-monopolistic practice they're, they're trying to pull on Bezos here? <laughs> break, break up Amazon or else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He thought, yeah, I mean, he he was he thought he'd have a monopoly. Uh, he has a monopoly on bad games. Uh, that's true. Uh, that's for you sure. You got to hand it to him. You do have to hand it to him. This is more consolidation for Jeff Bezos. Kyle, waiting on Jameis Winston to return under center. The Saints welcome Cincinnati to New Orleans as one and a half point road favorites. What do we need to know about this game? Uh, you need to know the URL, uh, NBCSportsEdge.com, because they're, this is the game I was talking about earlier, that it's all injuries. Chris Olave, he was oh, he was available at the media portion, the open media portion of practice, so it looks like he's getting back, and they said he was in like the latest or the final stage of concussion protocol. He even looked like he could have gone back in that game eventually, but obviously concussion protocol, a little stricter now. Uh, they decided to tighten up the rules on that for some reason. And all of a sudden they, quote, won't let you play through concussions. Yeah, uh, that's a really bad thing to do, playing through concussions, by the way. So kids out there, um, yeah. if you feel woozy, 
don't don't play football anymore. Uh, so Alami looks like he's back, and the rest of them don't look like they're back. In fact, neither Michael Thomas nor Jarvis Landry practicing Thursday. Pretty bad sign that they're out. And the good news is, whether or not it's Jameis or whether or not it's Andy Dalton, for Chris Olave, it seems like it hardly matters. But Jameis Winston had a 26% target share, a 42% target share. And the worry was like, oh, well, he of course, he, you know, he's kind of like an Emmanuel Sanders type outside, deep speed guy. He's going to mesh well with Jameis. Andy Dalton comes in a 25% target share, a 48% air yard share. Identical. It, it just doesn't matter. He is just a legit good receiver, and good receivers are at least to some degree independent of their quarterback. You're starting him as soon as you kind of get the final go ahead on him. The a little more concerning thing was Alvin Kamara. His uh, his target share dropped from 24 with Andy Dalton to 15 with Jameis Winston, but also like Michael Thomas was active for one of those games. Kamara came back from an injury, so it's not like you're benching at this point. It's just maybe bump your your target projection down from like seven to five or whatever. He's still a pretty solid guy. On the other side of the ball, I don't know if we're going to see T. Higgins in practice with an ankle issue on Wednesday. Uh, ominous sign, but he could. He's you know, out like, Thursday as well, Kyle. Good, good. Uh, well, good that you told me that. Not good that he's not playing. To be clear, uh, but yeah, like I said, with you know Landry and Thomas, it looks very. I'm, I'm skeptical he plays. That I mean, it is good for Jamar Chase, right? I think anytime a, a receiver of T. Higgins' talent goes down, it's going to mean more work for a player opposite them like Jamar Chase. But Jamar Chase's usage this year has been a bit strange. His deep target rate is down from 28 to 12%, and his rate on targets, uh, short targets, I believe shorter than 10 yards, and then behind the line of scrimmage is up 12%. It's like they've stopped using him to do the thing he is the best at so they can manufacture more looks for him, possibly because, as Kareem in the walkthrough last week, he's facing one of the highest rates uh, of double coverage. So maybe they're trying to use him in a different way to get what is probably their best receiver open, but he's down to 50th in yards per route run. So I think the targets will obviously help him. But part of the issue was maybe that he just became such an obvious target for defenses to key in on. And T. Higgins leaving isn't going to change that. You're still playing Chase. But to me, the way he's played makes it very clear that he is not in the same tier as Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, which is not an insult. It just says that there are levels to this stuff. I think part of the problem is also the pass blocking. The offensive line still stinks. Didn't get any so, better. They tried their hardest and it's hard. To I was wondering about that. If that was affecting Chase's downfield production, yeah. but it didn't affect it last year's thing. That's what's a little confusing to me mm-hmm. is it's their, their offensive line was terrible last year and it, it, it almost improved nothing despite their best efforts, but it, it's not like it, it got any worse. It almost couldn't have. So that's what it kind of like is throwing me for a loop with this. Honestly, Burrow's ADOT was down a bit to start the year. I, I'm not sure if it still is. It probably still is, would be yeah. my guess. I mean, it shows yeah. up in the way they're using Chase on the short and behind the line of scrimmage stuff. So, as Kyle noted, the injuries to this game, unfortunately, the Saints are one of the most opaque teams in the league with injury information. Fortunately, kickoff is at 1 p.m. Eastern, so we, we'll know their status at least by 11.30 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning. But, yeah, one you've really, really, really got to pay close attention to. With the injuries, just real quick, do any of you, the answer could be no. I mean, do any of you have any like pro Tyler Boyd or like Hayden Hurst spiels for this game with T. Higgins maybe sitting or can, mm-hmm. we, uh, can we just move on? I mean, the way Pat described Hayden or described Irv Smith is how I feel about Hayden Hurst. There's 14 different tight end nine through tight end 14 options. He's certainly one of them. <laughs> He's running all the routes. That's good. He's, He's running all the routes. routes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe if this ADOT stuff keeps up, I pulled it up. Uh, Burroughs ADOT is down almost a full yard from 8.2 last year to 7.4, which you'd have to think is response to pressure. So maybe, you know, if that keeps up. I guess the one thing to note is that the Saints are only 25th in pass rush grade. So, like, maybe. Saints defense is declining. Yeah. 
maybe we get some downfield passing. We certainly got it last week. You know, Geno Smith can light these guys up downfield. Maybe Jamar right. Chase. Marshawn Lattimore is not playing well this season. Look, when either. when Taysom Hill accounts for twenty percent of your salary cap, it is difficult to keep all your defenders <laughs> on the team. <laughs> like literally, they had to trade one of their cornerbacks to the wow. to the Eagles because of their salary cap. Taysom needs to start playing some safety. Uh, I will say that the Bengals' pass rate over expected is is looking good. You know, I mean, from from a fantasy standpoint, like it's 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 in the it's in the positive uh, almost every week except for week four. We just did this we whole game and higher bar for these guys. We didn't mention Surefire number three overall tight end right now, Taysom Hill. None of you mentioned him, by the way. Oh, it's so weird. frustrating because like it's like the you know the it's I'm gonna name two players who you wouldn't think should be in the same sentence like the the Jonathan Taylor and the Derrick Henry dilemma of like oh he doesn't catch passes he's just uh you know can he break a long run and score a touchdown but like good players do that and I do think the interesting thing here is that maybe we continue to see more work as an actual tight end because right now uh, not gonna happen he has one target in five games I know he does play some tight end though but he just doesn't get targeted on them at all uh you know he's thrown as many passes as he has gotten targets uh and he's playing wildcat quarterback that's the majority of his snaps or at least the the plurality of his snaps have come as a wildcat quarterback I like it but like are you starting a tight end that is like getting five to six carries a game but he's incredibly efficient and he has some red zone role and maybe he throws a pass and maybe he catches one that certainly puts him in the conversation for the Hayden Hurst Irv Smith. If this guy doesn't catch a touchdown, I'm screwed anyways. So just say that, but make it a rushing touchdown for Taysom Hill. Here's a question. And, and I'm, I'm desperate to know your guys opinion on this because I, I know where I stand on, on this. and I take no pleasure in it. Are we playing this week? This week, are we playing George Kittle or Taysom Hill? Okay, let's not get uh, let's Come not on. do something. I thought you were going to say Kyle Pitts or Taysom Hill, and I genuinely don't know. I thought he was going to say Kyle Pitts too. Wait, I'm taking George Kittle any different than Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I'm still playing Kittle. Me too. I'm playing Kittle. Kittle's playing all the snaps, running the bulk of the routes. It just because Kittle still has a similar ceiling, but unlike a similar Taysom, ceiling, Kittle could put up fifty. Well, like, I know. Kittle, oh, hold on. I mean, Taysom Hill to say like he has, he's done it. Taysom, He's I know, done. It happens twice Taysom a year, done a two, and we so can't I'm saying, predict it. So I'm saying, Taysom Hill had a 34 point game. You know, it's like, was that last week already? That was last was. week already. Well, I've wiped uh, it from my mind. So Kittle no, is still running the bulk of the routes and playing the bulk of the snaps. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, and that's, this is what he does. This is just what he does. He's George Kittle. He gets four for 43 times in a row. Then he goes 11 for so, 180. Yeah, Kittle's, I'm like Taysom. Kittle at least has a floor. Kittle's not even running. At, uh, he's not even a 70 percent route participation. Yes, he and, is. And, the, the, this this team doesn't want to throw at all, and they're not going to have to throw. They're going to bludgeon the Falcons. And the, I know we're not on this game, but I'm just saying. I just feel like like Kittle has zero floor. He is a possible zero for fantasy this week, and Taysom Hill's not. Taysom Kittle was at 84 percent route participation last week, and is at 85 percent for the year. He's running the routes. He's running really? the routes. I running. must have been looking at faulty data. He's running the routes. We hope, and one of these days, we hope uh, he actually scores fantasy points. George Maybe Kittle, if you're listening. The reeling Green Bay Packers welcome the above 500 New York Jets to Lambeau Field. Despite their recent fortunes, the Packers remain touchdown plus favorites, Corrine. I feel like every week I'm asking you guys to break down the Packers receiver core, but we'll start this week with the Jets receiver core. Pat, what is going on with the post-Joe Flacco usage, and is Garrett Wilson going to get back to wide receiver three territory anytime soon? Yeah, so this the Wilson stuff has been bad. For uh, Garrett Wilson, he's seen target rates of 17% uh, in each of his games with Zach Wilson. Uh, in three games with Flacco, he had a much stronger 21% target rate. 
I also am worried that maybe his routes have topped out a little bit. He had an 88% route rate in week four, down to 75% in uh, in week five against the Dolphins. Corey Davis jumped up from 71% to 92%. I don't think that like, you know, Wilson sort of, you know, failed in terms of his ability to break out. But sometimes when we see these wide receivers breaking out as rookies, like they'll bounce around for a little while before then they take the next step. So I think we're based, maybe we're kind of plateaued a little bit in terms of Garrett Wilson's uh, route participation and the emergence could take a little longer than we were hoping for. I do still, I still am confident in Garrett Wilson. We had a very, uh, a very kind of like double-edged sword, positive sign from Zach Wilson last week. He had his best completion percentage over expected of his entire career. Awesome, dude. That's great. Let's go. It was was also the first time that he ever posted a positive completion percentage over expected (laughs) in his entire career. The dude is crazy and accurate. So at least he got in the positive for once in his life. Uh, I'm pretty much out on Elijah Moore at this point. 0.98 yards per out run. He has a really bad yards per target. We can expect some positive regression, but... Is a 15% target share. So it's like positive regression to what? To like a bad flex play. It's it's not good. Corey Davis is still involved. Corey Davis has been more efficient than his routes on Elijah Moore, but his routes are kind of all over the place. He's been at 75% or lower route participation in three games. He's been at 85% plus in two games. Uh, so he actually has a lower target share than more because uh, just he's, he's not always out on the field and it's tough to predict what his deal is. Uh, I also would note that I I listened to the rankings pod. You guys were kind of talking about Tyler Conklin a little bit. Don't start Tyler Conklin. He only ran seven routes. Kyle Kyle basically told me that Conklin, Conk Daddy's been canceled. He's been canceled. CJ Uzama, 54% of dropbacks. He was out there running around. Seems like Jets may now have a tight end by committee, unless I missed an injury for Conklin. But Conklin looks like you're you're seeing what happens this week, but you might be dropping him. Oh, dude, drop him. It's Tyler Conklin. Like, it's not like we're like he's. Well, maybe it was like some injury. unreported injury. Tight ends are weak enough. I might wait. But a then week. he's then he's injured. Who cares? Uh, like, it's not like it's yeah, like fair. Kyle Pitts doing the same thing where there's a good built up cachet from last year and the. Hey, Tyler Conklin has more built up cachet from last year than Kyle Pitts does. Kyle Pitts was no, like he a doesn't. Yards, right? Just, I was trying to make a Kyle Pitts joke. This year, all right, don't he's kick us while we're down. Don't kick us while we're down. Kyle Pitts is kicking us enough for liking him. Craig, sorry, I don't know. I'm not going to try to ever call you that. You don't want to be called that. I do have this horrible, horrible, horrible habit of calling people by alternate names they've never asked for. (laughs) She just forgets. Especially in public, I've got to cut that out. Danny Carter, is Brees Hall as far ahead of Michael Carter as it has appeared the past two weeks? He is. He is. I can confirm. So, Brees Hall's workload is pretty legit. Only eight running backs have more expected fantasy points over the past two weeks than Brees Hall. I think the one downside to Hall in this post-Flacco Jets offense is that, you know, he's not seeing the same sort of routes and targets that him and Michael Carter were seeing, honestly, while Joe Flacco was under center. Um, Against the Dolphins last week, Hall saw just two targets uh, and ran a route on only half of the Jets' dropbacks. Uh, Michael Carter, meanwhile, had a 33% uh, route participation rate and also saw his two targets. Now, Brees Hall did a lot with those two targets, as you as you may have seen. Um, but, you know, usage is, is what we're, we're focused on here. Um, you know, uh, the, only the Seahawks and the Bears, uh, talking about this week, uh, this, this, this week's matchup for Brees Hall and, I guess, Michael Carter, but only the Seahawks and Bears are more extreme run funnel defenses than the Packers. 
through the first season for through the first five weeks of the season. Uh, and this is for, for good reason. I believe uh, pro football, pro football focus grades green Bay as the NFL's third worst rush defense. They allow almost 127 rushing yards per game that ranks 22nd among all teams. Uh, you know, everyone tries to establish it basically against the Packers, including uh, the giants uh, who had a, a, a negative pass rate over expected last week, even though they were down a lot of that game. Uh, also the, the Patriots had a negative pass rate over expected in their near week four upset of green Bay. I think it shapes up. I know that, I know that the jets are seven point dogs and we typically are not like bullish on running backs in that situation. But I think that I don't, I don't know if I totally believe in that, in that line and the Packers being that much better than the jets. So I think you can, you're definitely starting Brees Hall, and I think you can uh, be very confident in him this week. Kyle, on the other side of the ball, Randall Cobb was the Packers' number one receiver in week five for some reason. Maybe it's like an England thing. Um, <laughs> are we any closer to figuring out what is going on in the Packers' receiver core? Christian Watson not practicing this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Christian Watson's going to play, though it probably shouldn't matter. He just hasn't. He's been like a clear wide receiver four for the team and has been banged up all year. Uh, to me, I, I, Randall Cobb, I'm not buying it. I think because they had to get to the stadium on the other side of the road, it confused Aaron Rodgers, and he must have been thinking there was someone else there when he was throwing it to Randall Cobb because on the air, it's still very clear Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs are running more routes than him. They were the clear top two options on two and three receiver sets. They ran more routes than Cobb last week, which has been the case, as I said, throughout the year. The problem is no one on the team has a target share over 20%. It's just such a mixed bag, especially with Cobb, even if it's just including last week. If there's any threat of Cobb jumping in for more than four targets, which he hadn't done until last week, it becomes difficult to trust any of them. I will say, and it pains me to say this, Alan Lazard has like a 26% target share in the red zone. He's been the guy they've gone to. Rodgers has gone to to replace the scoring part of Devontae Adams. Not so much the yardage part, but that's not to be expected. I, I still think I want to bet on Dobbs long-term because he looks like he's probably going to be the most talented of all of them. But I think it's just like Alan Lazard flex play and kind of wait the rest out. So the on the Dobbs thing, like we talk about targets being earned. And, you know, they, they're, they're semi-earned, but there's also situations where, like, they're less earned than others. And one of those, I would argue, is screens, right? That's essentially, yes. it's like a run play in terms of they've designed a play to get you the ball. You, you don't have to get open. Uh, you don't have to do much, you know, to secure the ball. It's not a deep shot. Your point is great. Yes. Yeah. So 31% of Dobbs' targets have come on screens. So that's that's not great, right? Like, <laughs> and you you look at, the fact that he has a 7.7 ADOT, that's part of the reason why he's kind of, we think of him as kind of a deep threat, but I, that would be a sign that he's having trouble getting open downfield. Uh, it's a similar situation for Christian Watson on non-screen routes. He has a target rate of just 15%. So I do think you have with Rogers receivers who are, I mean, Lazard is basically his deep threat and Lazard is not an ideal <laughs> deep threat. So his ADOT is way down. Uh, it's down to 6.8 this year. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, and Daniel Jones are the only ones averaging shallower throws. That's lower than Ben Roethlisberger's ADOT last year. Wow. So it's just, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing here is that when you look at like how they're actually able to get targets to their receivers, they're having to manufacture it a lot, uh, and guys aren't really earning targets down the field yet. 
But Pat, have you noticed I'm trying to the alternate name I've been trying to make happen for you is Karainer. How do you feel about that? Um, <laughs> I see. I mean, you must be trailing off on the R because yeah. I just thought you've been saying Karain. No, I mean I've been trying to do like a New England thing, like calling you Karainer, but uh, it doesn't seem to be sticking. It, it has not stuck. I will say. No, it's not sticking at all. <laughs> I was just wondering if you would even notice that. I hadn't. I, I, I have. I have. Right. I, I, I've always been like, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well uh you either have to work harder or much 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 less hard on that one sticking with Karainer, coming off a much needed last yeah, second victory <laughs> coming off a much needed last second victory over the cincinnati Bengals. the ravens arrive in new jersey as five and a half point road favorites against the giants pat what do we need to know so uh, the Ravens, I think, are looking like a pass-first team, which is pretty nice. Uh, sixth in pass rate over expected this year. Fifth in pass rate over expected on first and ten, which is always nice. You know, you're able to set your, you're kind of able to, to set up what you want to achieve on first and ten. It's a down where the defense has to play both the run and the pass. So they're they're being aggressive with the passing game on first and ten. We love to see that. Um, even without Bateman. The setup of this offense didn't change. We're looking at two outside deep threats, and that opens up the middle of the field for Mark Andrews, sort of, I think, a very kind of intuitive design. If you've got this tight end who's not, you know, he's he's a great tight end, but you're trying to clear space, make sure he's got room to operate, and you're challenging the defense deep. That worked last week even without Bateman because Devin Duvernay played well. Uh, I guess the concern would be, you know, given that one of the deep threats right now is Demarcus Robinson, that maybe – uh, you know, the Giants Which team is Demarcus in. Robinson on. I, I literally, is he on the Ravens? <laughs> he's on the, the Ravens. I kind of zoned. He's on the there. Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's, you know, let's deduct it from backwards. Kareem's talking about the Ravens. You might've heard him say Mark Andrews. Yeah, I, 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 I know kind of zoned out. And then I heard yeah. Demarcus Robinson. Pop quiz. Like, who is Demarcus Robinson on? Pat. <laughs> 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 the Ravens. Uh, the okay. Ravens, Ravens, Ravens. Yes. Yeah. But I do think that's maybe like a, it worked last week without Bateman, but that's the concern for Andrews here is that maybe the Giants just key in on him and they say, you know, Demarcus Robinson's not going to be able to beat his team. But, you know, in general, it's pretty simple. You're starting Mark Andrews. He's probably going to have a really big game. You're staying away from this backfield. Dobbins down to 40% snap share last week. Gus yeah. Edwards could be back. This is a back to wait and see. I don't think we're, we're messing around with Dobbins anymore this week. Uh, on the Giants side, Daniel Jones, he's ninth in completion percentage over expected. He's 22nd in EPA per play. So, you know, he's been accurate, not being that efficient. He actually has a very similar setup in terms of, of being accurate, but struggling with efficiency to Ryan Tannehill, to Aaron Rodgers. Kind of like, what do these guys have in common? None of them have receivers, right? But Daniel Jones is doing at least enough to keep the offense okay. So we, you know, we're not starting any of these receivers for fantasy. We just care about Saquon Barkley here. And I think Daniel Jones is looking promising enough to kind of keep Keep things rolling here for Barkley. He got a little banged up in London, so his snap share was only 68%, but he's still at 85% for the season. That's second to only Christian McCaffrey, who has an 86% snap share. Barkley also has a 19% target share. Again, second to only McCaffrey, who's at 23%. And then even last week, again, where he only played 68% of snaps, he had a 24% target share against the Packers. So looking very good here for Saquon Barkley. I mean, you're basically you're starting Mark Andrews and Saquon Barkley in this whole game. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, but I don't know if you're if you're desperate, maybe Devin Duvernay. But I, if you, you're not. There's no ancillary pieces here. We're looking at. It is time to take a flyer on when Wandale Robinson, if he's unrostered in your league, where he he might not be back this week, but he seems close to actually returning from his knee injury. And 
This time it might count with Wando Robinson. <laughs> um, Denny, the San Francisco 49ers are visiting the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are trying to get Kyle Pitts back. They're five and a half point home underdogs to the 49ers. What do we need to know? This game really just doesn't exist for fantasy purposes. No, no, uh, I'm, it doesn't. I'm, I'm kidding. But it is it is really quite hideous. Uh, 49ers are 23rd in offensive plays per game. Atlanta is 24th. So that's not that's not that's not Could a good be start. worse. They're not in the bottom eight. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They have that going for them. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts is. You know, you you mentioned him. He he may or may not play after missing week five. Uh, he's staying in. We've talked about this on the show. That he's staying in to pass block uh, more than we have ever even imagined mm. in this uh, very. Did curious- Calvin Johnson ever block one time in his career? Like, what I, are we doing here? I don't. I don't believe so. But uh, they're they're using Kyle Pitts basically as a decoy and a blocker, um, and uh, it's not not fantastic usage. It, it would be one thing if the usage was was really good and it just wasn't landing for pits but that that's not what we have here it's just it's just not not what it what it is right now uh the niners are f- uh the fourth most extreme uh pass funnel defense i'm sorry <laughs> the the falcons are the fourth most extreme pass funnel i believe unless i completely messed that up the niners it doesn't, have it 20, doesn't matter 25 point implied total so i think i think in a pinch you know super flex whatever jimmy garoppolo may be able to be used here uh, cut, the, yeah, cut that out, Adam. That part. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're jamming Garoppolo, but yeah, no, please, Adam, cut. No, that it's out. I have him as a high end QB two. Denise, that that's how bad quarterback is. Where yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's floor is 250 yards and two touchdowns. It's also his ceiling. Like we're talking like a hard ceiling, but he it's at least usable. Mm-hmm. The quarterback is just bad, right? It's just straight up bad. Right yeah. now. And uh, I, I cannot see, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel for this Falcons offense in this matchup. Uh, San Francisco has allowed the, uh, just to getting back to pits for a minute, has allowed the sixth fewest tight end receptions. They're always pretty good against tight ends. They're, the Niners are allowing the lowest EPA per drop back. They have the best coverage uh, grade per PFF. So, Man, oh man, I don't know how the Falcons are going to score any points this week. They're not. The Falcons <laughs> do profile as, as the fourth heaviest pass funnel, but I feel like, and they've been, teams have been shifting the pass against them basically all season, but the Buccaneers kind of screwed this up a little bit. Uh, they like happened to play the Buccaneers when they shifted heavily to the pass. So yeah, I yeah. do, I'm skeptical <laughs> that the, I mean, and also the thing with the pass funnel stuff is like it pushes you to the pass. But if you're the 49ers, like you push, you get pushed to the pass and then you're only slightly super run heavy. So yeah, it's like it's like the, you know, pushing the boulder up the hill. Oh, let's get Jimmy Garoppolo to 19 attempts this week. Yeah, the Falcons exactly. are also terrible against the run. They're like 31st in rush defense EPA. And we know that that's what the 49ers want to do. So even if they're also bad and teams have, you know, targeted them through the air, you can beat them whatever way you choose. And we know how Kyle Shanahan will choose to do it. I was pretty shocked at the the over under for this game. I thought I thought it'd be much lower. Um, what is it? It's forty four and a half. It's not like it's that high. It's not like it's that high, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, forty four and a half. I I mean I don't know. It feels like a forty two. Adam something. said it's moved up from forty two. Maybe it's because Kyle Pitts is Ooh, practicing. Look at that nailed nailed oh, the open. Kyle Pitts is not worth <laughs> Vegas two and was half right. Points, Whoever moved yeah. the line was wrong. Kyle Pitts is not worth two and a half points, so I don't know what's going on. He's not worth two and a half fantasy points, let alone real life points. Oh man, Ew. come on, man. Zinger. Good God. It's not, <laughs> it's not a fun. Ta- no, Zinger should be fun, Kyle. 
<laughs> I know exactly. It doesn't matter. They're if they're funny. Zinger. <laughs> but Kyle, you said earlier the Falcons. I don't know if anyone else knows. You said to end the sadness. Um, when you were talking about the Falcons just playing out the season, uh, you made a joke about the Falcons ending their sadness, and that will never happen. Uh, I don't think you even remember saying this, but uh, we're moving on. As the Tampa Bay Bucks finally heat up, the Pittsburgh Steelers are falling off the face of this earth, threatening to finish under 500 for the first time during the Mike Tomlin era. Denny, I want to get to the Steelers receivers, but first we will talk about Najee Harris's continued struggles and Tomlin's pledge this week to get Jalen Warren more involved after he already played 51% of the snaps and the team's blowout week five loss to the Bills. Uh, is this not a drill with Najee Harris? I mean, Najee Harris has been a super, super terrible. Like there's just, there's just no way around it. I don't know if it's the foot injury that they pretended did not happen during the preseason. If that's just. Yeah, Denny, that, that was like the end of the summer. You don't just usually get a, yeah, this guy had a Liz Frank injury for a month yeah. that we didn't bring up. That doesn't usually happen. That was really no. weird. So, all right, here's here's how bad. I'll, I'll quantify it a little bit. Uh, Najee Harris ranks 37th in Pro Football Focus's elusive rating, 44th in breakaway rate, as, as judged by PFF. In uh, the Steelers' Week 5 loss to Buffalo, uh, Jalen Warren played 22 fourth-quarter snaps to three snaps for Harris. Now you'd say, okay, well, it was a blowout. You know, it, of course they're going to take out Harris. Well, they didn't take out any other starters. It was it was just it was just Harris. It's not like they took out Pickens and Deontay Johnson and Claypool and everybody. It was it was just Harris. Now that could be because he's banged up. I, well, know, that I, that's the that's the classic. Harris is definitely hurt, but we're too stubborn to stop playing him when it matters. Yeah, that's right. That's it's, right. It's it's the Zeke thing. Zeke is clearly dust, but we're too stubborn to actually not play him. Man, yes. A, except yeah, and they don't even have the excuse of 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 having paid him a ridiculous sum of money like the Cowboys. They only do. used a ridiculous sum of draft cap. That, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that is true. Uh, uh, real quick here, uh, I, I I think Warren obviously is the best option that the Steelers have right now. That won't really matter unless Mike Tomlin makes it matter. Uh, Warren has four runs of more than 10 yards on just 19 carries. Mm. Harris has five such runs on 69 rushing <laughs> attempts. Nice. Okay. So it is nice. It's, no, great. It's that's not, not nice. That's not. Oh, oh, sorry. Nice. Sorry. Uh, so okay. I'm actually shocked. It's that many though. Five. What, would I, but, but on, on that many and, and Warren, Warren is, is really performing. Well, I think what this means is you can't, I, I Najee Harris is not a top 24 option this week. And, <sighs> Uh, uh, and you got you got to stash Jalen Warren if you can. You do. You actually Jalen Warren needs to be like ninety percent rostered at this point, yeah. um, for just a variety of reasons. Every so reason you just laid out. You should roster Jalen Warren over Chase Edmonds. Yes, I actually agree with that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I think it's there's a whole nother side of this that's also terrible for Najee Harris. He his target share is down from fourteen percent last year to nine percent this year. Last year, he ran around on 64% of dropbacks. Only Alvin Kamara and DeAndre Swift had higher route participation. This year, he's down to 40%, which is RB30. So he's he is losing some snap share to Warren. He's down from 84% to 66%. But like to lose routes when your whole thing is that you like get all the targets and get all the work and you stink, it's not good. It's not mm-hmm. good. No, it's gone totally, totally sideways for Najee Harris. Pat, is is George Pickens putting a move on Deontay Johnson, who's still seeing absurd target totals, but it's been George Pickens actually producing since Kenny Pickett went under center. Is this a real trend, or is this just some noise from the kind of back-to-back weird game scripts? Uh, yeah, I, he's not putting a move on Deontay Johnson. 
Uh, Deontay Johnson had 12 targets last week. Uh, I think the thing with Deontay Johnson that's making it tough to get excited about him is that he has a 5.6 yards per target. That's a career low. It's a career low for a guy who played with uh, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as a rookie. So yeah. it's it's bad. But this is not, again, like I've mentioned a couple times, when a yards per target is like so low like this, yards per target is very volatile. And it's not something that you want to bet on to continue if it's like an outlier, which this very much is. So I think we want to bet on kind of the efficiency to regress to the mean here. Um, and the yards per target is why Johnson has been less efficient on a per route basis than George Pickens. But when you look at the volume that they're getting per route, it's nowhere close. Johnson, much stronger. Pickens, though, I mean, I don't want to just discount what Pickens is doing. He has a 17% target rate with a 16.7 ADOT. That's pretty nice. He's going to be a nice kind of boom-bust option. I think if you look in games where maybe passing volume is up a little bit, which I think this could be one of those games, then Pickens could be kind of a fun flex. Kyle, on the other side, what can we expect from the Bucks backfield this week? Well, Leonard Fournette, who's been catching so many passes over the past two weeks and staying an RB1, like even in standard leagues, in the back of his passing production, he's had two receiving touchdowns. Will he actually get some carries with the Bucks operating as eight-point favorites? Does it matter? Does yeah, I hope just... not. It doesn't – no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give him more carries. He's doing He's doing what he does best. Last week he saw both the team's red zone carries, both the team's – or the team's only goal line carry. He's used as a receiver around the red zone. 14 carries is enough for him. We're not relying on him to get 100 yards. We want three touchdowns, 10 catches, and I don't care if it's two yards at that point combined. This is perfect. The Buck setup is ideal. For the first three weeks, they had a negative pass rate over expectation. To me, like Occam's Razor, all the receivers were hurt, and they, they turtled. They completely went into their shell. Now they get the ones that matter back, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and they look like the Bun Bucks of 2021 and 2020, and that's the best setup for Lenny. He's not the league's best runner, but he's a very good, competent pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's nice at the goal line. Let him do what he does best, and let the passing game do what it does best, which is throw 50 times a game and win games whether you win 50 to 10 or 50 to 45. Anybody have any Rashad White takes, or is, can we still not really get him in there as a flex? I don't think you're flexing him, but I'd be sending trade offers. I mean, the the potential value here is, I mean, sky roof. high, and he is. Yeah, the more is, Lenny gets work and you know scores, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, should he, anything happen? That's right. Give Lenny some. He, that's why he needs carries this week. Yeah, <laughs> um, so. yeah and and Leonard Fournette's snap counts way down. He was uh like I don't have the number in front of me, but he's he was in like the high 80s, and now he's in the 60s. So. Um, it's a it's a big it, Rashad White's coming. He's almost like I don't know. He's sort of like Michael Carter esque to uh, Lenny's Brees Hall, but Lenny and Brees Hall are not not similar in in many other ways than how much they're playing. Kyle, for the sixth time this season, the Jaguars and Colts are playing. Um, <laughs> the Colts are two point home favorites against the Jaguars. Uh, you got anything to say about this game? I mean, I'd prefer not to, but I did. I guess I have some notes, so I should say them. Uh, Colts are a train wreck. No surprise there. Matt Ryan, negative CPOE, bottom five in EPA per play. He's tied with Matthew Stafford for leading the league in interceptions, and he's tied with Matthew Stafford for leading the league in sacks. So go, go. they're making a lot of mistakes, and even their ground game has not been good. And I think that's 
partially based on the fact that you don't have to respect the passing game. The Colts are 30th in rush EPA per play. And the fact that they had Jonathan Taylor for the first, you know, the start of the first four weeks and not last week, it didn't change. They were like 28th with him in the lineup. So you're still playing Taylor because you're seeing a ton of usage. And maybe there's a chance we don't have Liam Hines this week, which would obviously be at least a little beneficial for his receiving work. But like, yeah, you're probably still playing Michael Pittman too. But even the past few weeks, we've seen Alec Pierce come on as like a pretty consistent field stretcher type of guy. So I'm moving Pittman down even more. And the fact that the passing attack is terrible means that I don't even know what ceiling we're going to find with him. It's all bad. You're playing Taylor. You're playing Pittman regretfully, but you do play guys who have his profile and you move on from the Colts. The other side is better, but the backfield is really what's most interesting. Travis Etienne, back-to-back games with over a 50% route rate. Uh, back-to-back games, I believe, throw 50% of the snaps, but it follows the most obvious pattern. It's, you know, the Chiefs' backfield type of pattern. In the games where they've won, James Robinson has ran more routes and has been on the field more, and in the games they've lost, ETN has been the guy. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to try and go too deep on it. They've showed their hand pretty clearly, and this... I can't, Indy's favor in this game, and I think Jacksonville's going to win. I think Indy is terrible, and Jacksonville has a decent semblance of upside with a solid receiving room and a quarterback who, there are downs, but He's better than Matt Ryan. There's no doubt about that. So I actually think it's a James Robinson game, but that's because I don't agree with Vegas. Just real quick, Kyle kind of alluded to this. Do we have Michael Pittman concerns? Because it's been pretty bad for several weeks now. Crane, your eyes are bulging. What do we need to know? (laughs) Well, sorry sorry, sorry about my eyes. Uh, They're normally quite contained. Uh, They are normally quite contained. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Colts can't block anybody. Matt Ryan looks terrible. Uh, and Pittman isn't dominating targets. Other than that, though. Yeah. Mrs. Lincoln, player. other than that, you got to admit, it was a hell of a play. Um, <laughs> hell of a play. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. No, yeah, no one's ready to laugh still <laughs> about the uh, the assassination of Ole because yep. it was the worst moment in our nation's history. Yeah, we but yeah, had to that, wait another 50 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> other than that. So, yeah, Michael Pittman, yeah, I'm getting concerned and has been slowly dropping him down the ranks. Two of the league's most inscrutable teams, Pat, are squaring off in Seattle. The Seahawks welcoming Arizona to Washington as two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Uh, This game, game time could be moved, by the way, depending on if the ALDS between the Mariners and Astros goes to a fourth game. What so are these keep, like? Is this like some sort of arena football thing you're telling me about? <laughs> so just keep an eye on that. The NFL should just uh, they should they should just test it out. See see if your rank, your ratings really get hurt. No, it's not about the ratings. It's about the stadiums are literally next door oh, to each other. Okay, and uh, uh, see if so, anyone goes to that baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Pat, I will cut to the chase. Can Geno Smith keep getting away with this? And before I let you answer, I wanted to, I already took Denny through my boomer spiel on this, but I, I have a theory on Gino that like this is all about like him having huge first halves. And as soon as he gets into like predictable passing situations in the second half, he just like totally, totally turtles. Cause I, again, not to get like so boomer into first half, second half splits, which could be totally non telling, but. Geno Smith has a, a, a 131.7 QB rating in the first half. It's 88.5 after the break. Eight of his nine touchdowns have been in the first half. His yards per attempt fall from 9.5 to 6.8. And my read on that is like the first half when the game's still competitive, like you can catch people off guard with like your approach or whatever. He's passing well. 
when, you know, the two and three, when the game gets put on his shoulder in the second half and the passing situations are much more predictable, he's Geno Smith again. And I'm just wondering if, like, there's anything to that, you think, and or if we should just be believing in Geno Smith. I'm actually a fan of your boomer step because I'm I'm looking for reasons to not view my prior on the Seahawks is totally insane. Like <laughs> this this is this is blowing my mind. So if you've got a reason that we can grasp onto that says Geno is still I'm trying. awesome, I'm trying. Uh, I actually really appreciate it. I do think he's going to get away with it this week, though. Uh, when you look at the Seahawks' biggest weakness right now in the numbers on in terms of the passing offense, it's pass blocking. Uh, they're just 22nd in PFF's pass blocking grades, but the Cardinals rank 22nd in uh, uh, pass rush grade. So I don't think they're going to get exposed here. The Cardinals also rank 28th in EPA allowed per dropback, 32nd in passing success rate, 32nd in coverage grade. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be just fine, and the targets are super concentrated. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett are one of only two pairs of wide receivers who have whoppers each above 0.6. That combines target share and air yard share. Um, so, you know, their slice of the offense, the only two receivers that are comparable to them are A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So and you got really concentrated targets, a limited quarterback who is continuing to just uh, – Rake us over the coals for not believing in him. And uh, for Denny dad, believes hey, in I will say, defense. I will say, I uh, I got auto-drafted DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett because I was taking my dog for a walk, and I was like, well, in for a penny, and I took Gino. So. <laughs> okay. There you go. I have Gino Smith and Scott Fishbowl, so, you know. I'm something of a Gino Smith defender myself. <laughs> <laughs> I also took Trey Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> too too damn soon, man. I'm Trey Lance. Oh my gosh, we miss you, Trey. We really, really miss you. Mostly because Jimmy Garoppolo's here now, but we really, 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 really miss you. But is there any? But the Cardinals have been like weirdly locking down opposing number one receivers. By the way, I think they're like bracketing number ones. Um, I couldn't find anything to like quantify that though. But I think like they've been like bracketing number one dudes. Um, like they really locked up AJ Brown last week. They've they've locked up like a series of number one receivers. So, but who even is the Seahawks number one receiver? I'm assuming they'll identify it as DK Metcalf. It's but, Metcalf. It's Metcalf. Um, yeah. Denny, the other side, James Conner, as Kyle uh, thankfully reminded us for the show, has been officially yeah. ruled out with his ribs injury. Darrell Williams, I think, is going to be soon to follow. Ian Rapport's already report he's not going to play. Is Eno Benjamin a plug-and-play running back, too, against the Seahawks' run defense that is allowing 170 yards per game? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this time it counts, folks, with Eno Benjamin. I know we've been we've been waiting, and if you've waited long enough, then you you get a chance to plug him in, and and I think that he has a you know a 20 touch game in him, and, and if things go go right here, uh, the Seahawks are horrific uh, against the run, as you mentioned. Uh, they uh, so. Anyway, last week, Eno Benjamin uh, saw 20, had 28 yards on three receptions. He ran a route on 60% of dropbacks. Um, he had eight carries for 25 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, I, I could see him definitely, certainly being like a very popular DFS option. And, and if you stashed him, uh, if you stashed him in the last couple of weeks, 
I know Darrell Williams functioned as the top back, but he's out. Like, and he's going to be out for out. for a while, apparently with a with a knee sprain is what they're reporting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been lucky enough to stash Benjamin in a few spots, and this is this is the place. If not now, then when? So, Denny, you're something of an Eno Benjamin stasher yourself. I have that been since 2017, actually. There you go. Well, I had someone say, Denny, someone DM me and said they've had uh, Ken Walker in their Devi League since the second Eisenhower administration. <laughs> oh, why, are, why are we talking about him as someone who might be available on waivers? So. I know. I actually did uh, get a lot of pushback online. You won't believe it from uh, not my league Twitter saying <laughs> Ken Walker. <laughs> I drafted out. Ken Walker before, you know, before Najee Harris went <laughs> off the board. <laughs> so and you were right to do that. And, and, and congratulations. <laughs> <on being laughs> They have been out in full force. Before we move on to our final game, do any of you guys have any concern for like Marquise Brown's massive target share for Zach Ertz's huge weekly target totals for Rondell Moore dominating the slot with DeAndre Hopkins about to come back for week seven. This is the final Cardinals game before Newt comes off suspension. Do we think he'll like change the face of his offense or there was a guy who was already declining last year and now has a PED ban under his belt should we not be as concerned as we otherwise might have been? Well, I think when you – the routes that Hopkins is going to be taking are coming from A.J. Green. That's that guy, the hope, right? Praise be. It, it is. I mean, there's no other – now that Rondell Moore's in the slot, and he was in the slot. I mean, that's that's a big, big deal. We, we I mean, What if Hopkins, though, to remain effective as to be in the slot or something? I don't know. No, he's, I mean, he was outside all of last year with Kirk yeah. in the slot, so – I think he'll Pat, be you're outside. thinking you're thinking more thoughtfully about the receiving room of the Cardinals <laughs> than Cliff has ever since he took <laughs> that job. That's a good point. <laughs> so. Yeah, AJ Green was outside. He played 76 percent, or he was out uh, running around on 76 percent of dropbacks last week. Um, I did see that Antoine Wesley was done for the year, and I thought, oh god, does that mean they're going to play Rondell Moore on the outside again? But I, I don't, I don't think so. I think AJ Green holds it down this week. Then DeAndre Hopkins just basically takes the entire role. Green's been horrible this year. So, yeah, maybe that should be a good thing to have someone on the opposite sideline that actually commands defensive attention and get some cleaner looks for Marquise, for Ertz, for Rondell Moore. So, but maybe, yeah. I think that's their path to actually being an okay offense because Marquise Brown has had this intermediate eight, the, the type of eight out that we expect for DeAndre Hopkins outside of week one. Week one, he was an actual deep threat, didn't work. And now, but once Hopkins is back, Brown maybe is a deep threat again, and there's there's levels to this passing game. That's the hope. Please, please, Cliff, uh, get an idea. Um, we'll end the show with – I mean, this shouldn't – a game that features the defending Super Bowl champions should never be the most depressing game of the week, uh, but it is. Somehow. The Los Angeles Rams host the Carolina Panthers, who are without a quarterback, without a coach. Uh, they're 10-point road underdogs. One of the only fan bases that will not take over SoFi Stadium – um, with their fans, Crane, uh, two of the lowest scoring teams in the league. I mean, what the heck is there to say about Panthers Rams? I'm actually not optimistic about the coaching change. Like I want, I obviously want to be, but like when I looked at what uh, Steve Wilkes Cardinals did in terms I, of password, don't expected, look up the 2018 Cardinals. I did. I looked it up. I learned how to use R to look up the 2018 Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I weeped. Why have I learned this? <laughs> yeah, minus 5% pass rate over expected. Not great. Minus 2% on first and 10. So when you look at the Panthers this year, 
They rank ninth with a 2% pass rate over expected. They rank uh, second with a 9% pass rate over expected on first and 10. This has actually been a pass first team, and this has been a team that's prioritizing the passing game on first down. They're setting the passing game up for success. Baker Mayfield's just really, really bad. So now you're looking at a team that's going to try to hide the quarterback. So we're looking at even less passing attempts. The only way we're playing this team is through Christian McCaffrey because he has a 23% target share, which is RB1, because he leads all running backs in snap share at 86%. Only way you can do this. Now, I'm not playing DJ Moore this week. I'm Maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm going to let him. DJ Moore's on my bench. Maybe PJ Walker, you know, does something and then I'll, okay, I'll, I'll play, I'll play DJ Moore next week. But on McCaffrey, I will note that if we get Walker this week in the one game, we're getting Walker, by the way. Yeah, we're getting Walker for sure. Yeah. Okay, good. In the no, one not game good, not good, that, not good. well, it's good because it's not Baker at this point. Dude, I don't know. Man. Yeah. And I, as I said earlier in the week, uh, PJ Walker might hold your beer on that. Um, okay, that's probably that's he is. And look, this is coming from someone who watched him play in the, the XFL, and I loved him in the XFL. He was so cool, and I'll have that forever in my heart. But <laughs> on obviously a small sample, he's got like a six percent interception rate, taking sacks on nearly ten percent of his dropbacks. He is bad. Seems it to be not good. On but, but in the one game, <laughs> might, that he but it might work. For Christian us. McCaffrey, it might work. It might work because <laughs> <laughs> it might work for us. Yeah. <laughs> 59% snap share in week 10 last season McCaffrey had. This is with Walker. Only 59%. He saw a 31% target share. McCaffrey to the moon. Walker's the guy we need. to the moon. And yeah. Steve Wilkes, man, you just got to let Ben McAdoo cook. Uh, yeah. Just whatever, whatever imprint Matt Rule had in his offense, get rid of it. Let Ben McAdoo cook. I don't think Matt, McAdoo's cooking at all. Um, also, no. his recipes suck. Uh, <laughs> moving to the Rams. Stafford's oh ADOT. Oh, my God, we had down. to talk about them. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry, guys. Stafford's ADOT is down substantially from last season. Uh, he was QB8 with an 8.9 ADOT last year. He's down to 6.9 this year. That's quarterback 30. Uh, that's also below where Ben Roethlisberger was last year. It's only above where Jared Goff was last year in terms of ADOT. This is not working for Matthew Stafford, who we all know is a guy who likes to challenge defenses downfield. Right? He's kind of like been forced into a Jimmy Garoppolo-style Offense uh, and that type of passer is just not who he is. So uh, when you look at why this is happening, I think very clearly it's not like he's changed as a quarterback. It's because he's getting pressured nonstop. He's been pressured on 35% of his dropbacks. That's QB7. That's up from 26% last year. Last year, only Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady had a lower pressure rate than Matthew Stafford. So to me, it's all about can the Rams hold up against this Panthers defensive line? The defensive line and the pass rush has been pretty good for the Panthers, but they've gone against quarterbacks like Daniel Jones and Jacoby Brissett who invite pressure. They only rank 21st in pass rush grade, so maybe you know a little overrated defensively here for the Panthers. So you know, at the very least, I think the Rams are going to avoid another disastrous outing like last week, but there's potential for maybe the Rams to look a little bit better on offense. Probably doesn't help us that much because it's like, like the Panthers, you really only want to play cup here. There's only one guy, but I think Higby maybe a little bit of a better start than usual. I don't think I can go to Allen Robinson, but no, I do wonder if they're going to be playing from ahead. Maybe the offense are they? Efficient. I guess they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> can you? They are ten up, point favorites. <laughs> can you dial up Cam Akers here as the play from ahead back? I think oh, that like no. maybe he's in the conversation. 
Oh man, Cam Akers, you guys are gonna be steaming the hell out of him in DFS, aren't you? Yes. No, there's actual good plays. This is the thing. Like you know, <laughs> a better play. Kenneth Walker's a better play. Ramondre's a better. Those play. are all chalky plays, though. Exactly. Uh-oh. No one. <laughs> Look, the idea is to play good players that are not being owned. I want to play the not- Bills game, and I'll play Cam Akers if I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, folks, there's going to be Cam Akers steam. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, my other thought on Steve Wilkes, by the way, is that the University of Missouri defense has really improved this year. Steve Wilkes was the University of Missouri defensive coordinator last year. I doubt any of you knew that. Um, yeah, see, I was really struggling to make this connection. <laughs> yeah, he was a... Uh, he was our D coordinator, and let's just say we're giving up a lot fewer big plays this year, and we almost beat Georgia. That's curious. So, very curious. Um, very curious that we have to end what was such a good show, but we do. Um, NBC Corporate is telling me it's time. Uh, also telling me that we're out of games, and there's literally no reason to keep talking. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Really, really good stuff. What all do you have to promote? Because it's a lot. Denny, what do, what do the folks yeah. have to look forward to from you? I have uh, I have my funneling fantasy points on uh, NBC Sports Edge tomorrow uh, Friday morning, where I look at games uh, where that kind of line up nicely between pass funnels and run funnel defenses. Patrick Crane, yeah, the walkthrough will be out uh, tomorrow Friday, and uh, I will also be joining Matthew Berry on Fantasy Football Happy Hour to talk about some of the most exciting games this week, some of the least exciting games. I will be. Uh, I, I refuse to talk about the Rams Panthers game. I, I nixed that one, but uh, yeah, we're going to be talking through some of that noon Eastern on Peacock and the NFL and NBC YouTube page. Kyle, what do you have? Uh, 32 stats dropped yesterday. DFS building blocks article comes out to tomorrow today. When you're listening to this, who knows it's out. Just find it. You'll find it. You, you got this. Check out my <laughs> rankings. Check out all of our podcasts from this week. Um, thank you for listening. We hope you continue listening. Uh, sorry to end on the Rams. Um, but for Denny, for Pat, for Kyle, I am the other Pat. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.